1: Hello, everyone. I'm Marcus Robertson, Assistant Editor with Becker's Hospital Review. Thank you for tuning in to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. Today we're talking ASCs, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Andrew Lovewell, CEO of Columbia Orthopedic Group in Missouri, which has been named a top 10 ASC in the nation by Newsweek. And Andrew was pivotal in Columbia Orthopedic Group seeing that success, despite obviously industry-wide chaos from the pandemic. So, Andrew, seriously, thank you for talking with me today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, um, you've spoken with us a few times in the past, but could you share with listeners uh, a little bit about your background first?
0: Yeah, so my background, um, you know, I'm currently the CEO of uh, Columbia Orthopedic Group, which is a private practice musculoskeletal and ortho group here in uh, kind of mid-America in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, prior to this, I was the ASC administrator and CEO for our ASC. Uh, well, we went through a big expansion there and kind of led that, um, helped us transition total joints and other cases into the outpatient space. Um, I, I previously worked um, for a surgery department as a department administrator with 75 surgeons and three or 400 staff and several other advanced practice providers, and then, also worked on the hospital side and finance, accounting, revenue management, privacy compliance, um, pharmacy, um, and really kind of did a bunch of different jack of all trade jobs to prepare me for where I'm at today.
1: bit of a healthcare renaissance man.
0: Yeah, one, one would say that, or you could say I kind of took all the jobs that nobody wanted and uh, just made the best of the situation and and learned at every avenue. Uh Renaissance man's probably more f- uh, flavorful,
1: yeah, we'll we'll stick with that for the audience at least. Uh, so with Columbia Orthopedic Group, seeing that uh, you know success that I mentioned, um, what are the major headwinds that you are seeing for this year upcoming?
0: Yeah, so I think you know when you when you talk about the the challenges or um, the things we're facing? And I feel like it's different in any market, to be honest with you. It's the, you know, I'd call it the pandemic of, of progress when it comes to actually having the right number of employees, finding the right staff. Um, you know, we worry about are we going to be able to staff our ORs reasonably um, because of the anesthesia shortages all over the country? You know, what about scrub techs, what about nurses? So all of the the pressures of trying to provide an appropriate, you know, funded and level staffed organization are a massive issue. Um, and then on top of that, you've got the compression of the margin, where you look at, you know, here's what we used to be paid for this, which is fine. And now all of a sudden we've got these high cost supplies that are through the roof still, nothing's coming down ever. Um, and then you've got your your bucas that really haven't adjusted reimbursement to make up for the new normal post COVID, and um, what we have for cost pressures. So, and then really, you know, it comes down also, in my opinion, you know, the federal government. What what's going to happen when it comes to the support the federal government has for. You know, either loosening restrictions with the inpatient only list or increasing, you know, your Medicare reimbursement from the standpoint of accounting for all of these, you know, baby boomers that are now needing care. Uh, What does that look like? So some pretty big, massive things, you know, really right there that we're trying to surmount. And it doesn't seem like there's any movement um, in the industry to, to adequately address those quite yet.
1: One thing that you've you've mentioned before with us is um you know the federal government could potentially get involved to uh you know have distributors uh kind of do less over markups of supplies and implants. Um is that is yeah. that something you're still looking for?
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I think I think one of the things you you really have to keep in mind of is when you look at the ASC space you know, the margin compression, is it's real. You know, it's, it's not something that's kind of just thrown out there as fluff. It's a real issue. And, you know, the pressure we deal with from the vendor or the supply chain manufacturer is, you know, when we have a, a pack increase of 15% on our packs and nothing changed with my items in there, you know, what, what is that for? Like, what the heck happened where all of a sudden the prices today are different, you know, tomorrow? It just doesn't make any sense. So I can't be in a position where, you know, I'm buying the exact same packs with the exact same stuff in it, and these packs are already post-production, but now all of a sudden they cost more money. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, I'm not an economist by any means, but it seems like, you know, post-COVID, there's been a lot of people taking advantage of the system of complexity we live in to say, yep, we're going to go ahead and mark this up. Well, why? Why is it being marked up? And, you know, I think the federal government needs to put in some limitations to what these markups can be because, you know, you've got your big distributors, your your Cardinal Health, your Medline, your Owens and Minor. All those people, and it doesn't seem like there's an, any accountability out of Washington to say, you know, here's what we feel like is reasonable from that standpoint. You know, they, they are definitely more than willing to say, here's what we're going to cut your Medicare reimbursement at, but they're not willing to address the other side of the coin.
1: Um, you know, ASCs are are really good about being able to, you know, kind of adapt uh change things up depending on how the industry is going is is this making that more difficult to you know stay flexible
0: i think it does you know and i I think that you're not going to save your way to prosperity anymore um you know because you you're going to pay it out one way or the other it's going to be your salary wages and benefits or it's going to be your supplies and you know from the flexibility standpoint There's going to come a point in time where some ASCs just say, you know what, it's not worth it. We're not going to do these cases in the ASC anymore because the margin's not there when it used to be, which is sad because then we're just costing the American public more money to transition care back inpatient. But there's got to be some accountability to say, you know – Yeah, the ASCs are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to shift cases. Doctors are, you know, especially in private groups um, that own their ASCs or own them with a, a partner in a management company, they're trying their best to be good stewards of the healthcare dollar. But there's been no shift to really incentivize that from the standpoint of any type of increased remuneration or any type of, you know, cost shifting for cases, anything of that nature. So, you know, I... I was joking the other day with one of our physicians, and I said, at some point in time, that we're, we're going to have to see some kind of healthcare market correction, and I I don't know when that is, but we're right we're right on the the precipice of that.
1: I have uh, covered ASC news with Beckers for a while, and and I can tell you that that's uh, you know a pretty common um, sentiment. So it it does seem like things feel like they're coming to a head but Mm -hmm. switching switching a little bit to uh you know more of a forward look how are you thinking that spine and orthopedics are going to uh, evolve and progress over the next two or three years
0: yeah so you know i think we're gonna see um a continued Shift of appropriate cases to the outpatient arena. You know, a lot of that's dictated by the federal government. You know, we run a, a very large private practice ortho group, um, and I still have twenty-five percent of my volume inpatient that I that cannot move outpatient. And some of that's for you know patient appropriate, and some of that comes down to Medicare doesn't cover outpatient shoulders yet, which is. And kind of really ridiculous and unreasonable. When we do every other joint, you actually put weight on outpatient today. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, I think that there's an opportunity there for more case shifting, but I think it's probably... Um, case alignment that has to be done? And that's going to come down to several different factors. It's going to be, is is one, this clinically appropriate for this patient to be done in this setting? So we, we kind of use an internal metric to say right place, right patient, right time. Um, so does that make sense? And then two, you know, as we get really far down the road, you know, how much of this do we move where we have robotics and augmented reality or any type of other adjunctive technologies that get involved here? And I would love to say, you know, hell, we'll do as much as we can with tech or robotics or, you know, digital integration into the operating room. But, you know, all that comes with a cost. And, you know, with that cost does there come increased reimbursement? You know, it can't just be where we create the spiral of zero. You know, zero is not a good multiplier. So if we're going to continue down this path of trying to increase our technology-driven surgery and there's no increased reimbursement for us, you know, that's going to be a challenge for a lot of small ASCs. But it's also a challenge when it comes to actually providing good care. So we we have to ask ourselves what's right and what's appropriate. And then how are you compensated for what's right? And I think that's the conversation that needs to happen.
1: What's right, what's appropriate and what should be incentivized? What should we be encouraging?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think you you know there's a Becker's article that was published, I don't know if it was a year, year and a half ago, about um the reverse incentivization that happened on spinal cord stimulators in the mm-hmm. HOPDs, and how you found out that Medicare overpaid hundreds of millions of dollars for that. So there's there you gotta take an honest look in the mirror and say, What makes sense?
1: So uh are you gonna be running for healthcare czar? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> that's not a job I want. Fair enough. Um, well, where are you seeing, uh, the best opportunities for growth on the flip side?
0: Yeah, I think for us, you know, our practice is a little different. So, um, our growth model is, is very heavily in non-operative orthopedic care. We're trying to, unlike most surgical practices, we're trying to avoid that surgery. Um, we're trying to get people healthier, faster, Um, and better. So, we've invested heavily in uh, weight management clinics, osteoporosis clinics. Uh, We also have a virtual therapy platform that we've rolled out to patients for non-operative care um, to give them access to more therapy than just in person. Um, Because I think we're, we're hitting a crisis point here when it comes to staffing, and we're trying to make sure our patients aren't lost in the shuffle. And, you know, from a from an ASC standpoint, that doesn't do anything to bolster the bottom line there. But what it does do is guarantee our patients aren't aren't on an island and they have somebody to talk to and they have access to stuff. So what it does create eventually is momentum, you know, from patients to say, hey, these guys really care about value. They care about giving me stuff that is added to my care, not subtractive to my care. So... That to me is this, the big selling point. Is how do we create, you know, a intelligent and digital front door and widen the funnel to get more patients access to our services, and then you know if it's a surgical patient, how do we get them through the, you know, the pre-cert and pre-approval or predetermination process with the insurance companies as quickly as possible, and as reasonably as possible to get them to surgery and back to doing what they want to do. So, you know, that's how we plan to grow. Um, You know, it's not going to be the sexy, exciting, you know, we're going to launch crazy technology companies or things like that. But it's it's just continuing to deliver value at every step of the care continuum in the MSK and ortho space for our patients.
1: So you're an ambulatory surgical center, but you are... Going forward, seems like, yeah, trying to help put together a full care continuum for your patients and not just take care of, um, you know, the immediate surgical needs, trying to get ahead of value-based. Yeah, and I
0: think our our group's very different. You know, we're a vertically integrated um, Mm -hmm. building where we've got, you know, retail pharmacy and DME and a, a big ASC, which is our kind of our bread and butter stuff. We've got a physician's practice, we've got all of these things, um, but it's just aligning all of that to make sure that we really deliver best breed care at every level. And you know, our ASC is really our, that's our big pride and joy, right? Like it's very, very um, good for patients. They do a great job, you know, 99 plus patient satisfaction, high rankings, all of that. But all of that happens because we deliver integrated care at every level.
1: Well, uh, Andrew, I want to thank you for your time. And this uh, was really, really great, fun conversation we've had here. Uh, And for our listeners, you can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at becker'spodcasts.com.